All right, well, the Tigers drop the series finale on Sunday and lose three of four to the Orioles over the weekend. We're going to talk about three of four, though, because we talked about Thursday's game on Friday's show all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Benley. Today is Monday, May 1st, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked on Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team, every day. All righty, well, like I said, Tigers drop three of four. To the Baltimore Orioles, we're not going to talk about Thursday's game, but we can clump them kind of all in together. Doesn't really matter. Uh, yeah, did a doubleheader on Saturday to uh, split the doubleheader and then lost on Sunday. So they drop, uh, they, well, they win one of four games over the weekend. Um, yeah, I, I, we're going to do this show how we've done the last couple of Monday episodes. And instead of going game by game, just kind of talk about observations and, and news and notes from over the weekend as a whole in a general sense uh, because I think that that's better content and better analysis to be honest with you than kind of going game by game especially when a lot of the games for this team look the exact same but I did just truly want to highlight and stress how awful I thought Sunday's ball game was that was abysmal um, I I'm shocked like jaw on the ground stunned that that was even a close game I don't even know how how it happened. They the, the Orioles significantly outplayed you for like eight and a half innings. And somehow in the eighth, you had the tying run on base and the winning run at the plate. Like you you had a legitimate chance late in that ball game to take the lead and and put yourself in a position to win. And they they didn't, obviously, because that's it's this offense, right? Uh, very on brand and not out of character, but I was stunned at how poorly I thought they played on Sunday and yet looked at the scoreboard in the last third of the ball game and they had a chance to win. Truly just mind-boggling stuff, but um, between the starting pitching, the offense being what the offense is, like I said, they had one good half inning. That's pretty much what happened. They, they had one good, and then Alex Lang and Jason Foley are good at their jobs. Like that's That's pretty much what it came down to. So um, I, I truly was like mesmerized by the score given the product I was watching on Sunday. I wanted to highlight that, but uh, let's talk about this weekend kind of as a whole. I guess we're already talking about Sunday, so we can just kind of stick right with that and just transition into Spencer Turnbull, who started on Sunday's loss to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, his final line would be four innings, five hits, three runs, two of them earned two walks and three strikeouts on 83 pitches. His ERA is now like 8.6. Jeez, 6.8. Goodness, I can't speak. My apologies. Um, so, yeah, look, this was not a good outing, really whatsoever. Um, and since coming back from Tommy John, which is this entire calendar year, uh, he has not really put together a very good, efficient outing. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of swing and miss stuff. I think there was one outing 
in which we came on here and talked about like, oh, like had some swing and miss stuff today. And even that was kind of, you know, comparing him to himself more so than uh, like some stellar swing and miss, unbelievable performance of uh, across like all of baseball standards. So hasn't really had a, a ton of swing and miss stuff today. I thought the slider just wasn't an effective pitch. He, anytime he threw it, it seemed like everybody was all over it. Just any clutch situation, or it was, you know, three feet out of the strike zone. Like the, it was, it, it just wasn't an effective pitch. And then that, that fastball he has that has a ton of run on it. And, and I'm, I'm blown away that it, it, he just can't get swings and misses on it. And, and he can't get like soft contact. He can't be use it like Jason Foley does and get a ton of ground balls. Like it, it's just, I think a lot of it just comes down to command. Like, and that's been the story since before Tommy John, like he was good leading up to, uh, well, like pre-injury in 2021, uh, put together some good starts there. But all of the the first couple of seasons of Spencer Turnbull's career, it was always like, look how good the stuff is. Just can't put together consistent, not even consistent starts, like consistent at bats, like at bat to at bat, just wildly inconsistent. And again, he hasn't pitched and. Uh, a very very long time so uh if well we'll kind of get to to why i think he's going to stay in the rotation in a second but um it's just one of those things where this isn't even like you know a lot of people were bringing it up after the game like he he, it's not like his velocity's plummeted it's not like you're he's going out there and you're like oh the tommy john really got to him like this is he looks terrible because his velocity's down his stuff doesn't move like no it looks Pretty much the same uh, from a start-to-start basis as it has. He just has zero efficiency or or consistent command whatsoever. There was no ability to attack the strike zone today. Uh, Today, I'm recording this on Sunday. Zero ability. Could not fill the zone whatsoever. Could not consistently throw strikes whatsoever. Was all over the plate. Insanely high pitch count. Just not very efficient. Uh, and yeah, I mean, at, at 30 years old, coming off Tommy John, you got to start looking around and going, how often are we going to stick with this? I guess like we're a month into the season now, this isn't like one or two starts back. And you're kind of like, I don't know. I want to say babying him into it, but you're kind of like leaning him and you're like, okay, we have some time for adjustments, whatnot. Like we're, we're a month into this thing and we have not seen, you know, everything's been better since his first start. That was terrible in Tampa, obviously. But uh, we haven't seen, like, massive strides forward in a few starts now. And I'm not saying, like, kick him out of the rotation today. I, I, I still like the stuff. And, and they then we'll, I guess, transition to my next point, with, which is who are you going to replace him with? If you're like, oh, Turnbull, you know, he's just not good. Get him out of the rotation. I don't think he'll ever be anything. For who? (laughs) Please riddle me that. For who? Matt Manning got moved to the 60-day IL this weekend. He's not coming back anytime soon. Joey Wentz is already in the rotation. Alex Fiedo, you're going to try to make him a starter again, even though that really hasn't worked on any turn and hasn't shown an ability to stay healthy really at all either. I don't think that's a thing. And that, what, is that the end of the list? Reese Olsen, you want to try to make like a major league starter right now? Flores has been struggling pretty mightily at points so far in April in Toledo. 
I don't know for who. So I think they're going to keep rolling him out there and they're going to see if he can take any steps forward. But it has not been a very pretty, certainly second half of April. And even when you're talking about the first half of April, you're removing the first start of the season. So he's had like two and a half pretty like solid-ish outings where he was whatever, a, a run or an out away from a quality start. And even in those, lack swing and miss stuff. It's just, it, it hasn't clicked since coming back. Really frustrating. Someone I've gone to bat with a lot for over the last couple of seasons, over the last three or four seasons, um, and just hasn't really shown to have it so far this year. So, um, okay, let's uh, let's transition into some other talking points over the weekend. The bullpen I do want to discuss because I think we're starting to see probably what this bullpen is going to be like this year. We had like the first couple of weeks of this season where the bullpen was absolutely horrible. And then we had the last two weeks where the bullpen was just unbelievably good, like best pen in baseball, which I don't think anyone thought was going to last over 162. But this weekend, I think, is kind of somewhat maybe <laughs> there's good analysis for you. What uh, what this bullpen is going to be this season? Okay, so we'll talk about that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack but you don't want all the sugar and calories, then you need to get the best tasting protein bar ever. That is Built. You got to try it. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier snacks but you don't want to compromise on taste, this is the best thing for you. It's healthy and tastes amazing. They're amazing. Seriously, they, you won't even think they're good for you. And the reason why is because they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, cookies, and cream. I'm not sure how Bill does it, but these bars are the best tasting candy bars while amazing, while maintaining amazing macros. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can now get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. And you can still get specialty flavors at Built.com. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, your nearest Sam's Club. Get a four-bar box, a 13-bar box, or just go to the tried and true and go to Built.com. However you get them, get your hands on some Built Bars today. Also got to tell you all about our friends over at BetterHelp. Uh, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need for yourself, something that's very, very important. And, you know, when we spend our time giving, it can sometimes leave us feeling stretched thin and just burned out. Therapy can give you the tools and more to balance your life so you can keep supporting others while without rather leaving yourself behind. Uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. It's an awesome feature they have. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MLB today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MLB. All right, everybody, welcome back. Segment two here, Locked On Tigers. Thank you for making us your first listen every day, even after some brutal weekends like this one. I greatly appreciate all y'all for tuning in, the everydayers. Uh, tomorrow, we will, tomorrow will be kind of a fun show. Uh, well, <laughs> we're going to be talking about maybe the, <laughs> the good and bad so far. We're going to be doing our one-month checkpoint, right? We're mo exactly one month into the season. 
Uh, tomorrow will be, well, for me, May 1st. For you, today's May 1st. Uh, and with an off day for the Tigers, we'll kind of have an opportunity to uh, to obviously look ahead. We play the Mets next. We'll talk about that series and the series ahead of it. Um, but we will kind of get our, our one month, where does the team stand currently, checkpoint in on the season. So that'll be tomorrow's episode. Today's, talk about the bullpen. So before the break, we kind of discussed what this bullpen has done this season, kind of the nebs and flows, the roller coaster ride that has been the Detroit Tigers bullpen. I think this weekend is probably going to be about where they lie. Like they're, they're not going to be absolutely terrible. And I don't think they're going to be single-handedly responsible for losing you too many games. Obviously it's a long season. There's going to be a few games where it's probably all the bullpen's fault, but uh, from a, a series to series or week to week basis, I don't think too terribly often we're going to be looking at this bullpen and going, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life because Jason Foley and Alex Lang are really good at their jobs and they both have sub one, five ERAs. Obviously they're not going to end with sub one, five ERAs, but uh, they are both the anchors of this pen. And I think we can kind of rely on them throughout the course of the season, assuming they stay healthy, but you kind of saw the separation between those two and the rest of the pen this weekend. And it's one of the first times that they've been better than everyone else in the pen all year. Don't get me wrong, but it's kind of the first time that you started to see like, okay, these two are just clearly better than everybody else here. And the other dudes in this pen are going to give up a run or two. If they have, if we have to rely on the bullpen for five innings, every single outing uh, because starters can't go deep into games, you're going to see some chinks in that armor. But if if I'm confident if we can get it to eight and nine or whatever, we you know, it's not Lang's day, it's Foley's day, however they decide to do it. I'm confident in those two. But like you saw Tyler Holton give up some uh, a run this weekend. Uh, you saw Streve, I mean, struggled on Thursday. Clearly, we talked about that. Gave up another another homer on Sunday. He his ERA is through the roof now. Uh, he has not had a very good last like week, week and a half. So that'll be something to keep an eye on, this ever-revolving door that is this roster. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're, you're st- like Jose Cisnero, while he didn't give up a ton of runs, like went back to walking a ton of guys this weekend. Uh, just as a whole, top to bottom, Mason Englert, three-run outing. Uh, you're starting to see kind of the separation between those two guys and everyone else. And so uh, it, it's not going to be the worst bullpen you've ever seen and, and, and whatnot because – they have some dudes that can go multiple innings, and if you can get it to Foley and Lang, you're going to be good more nights than not. But uh, I, I do think that that this weekend was a pretty prime example of what you're going to see from the bullpen this year. Not anything lights out like the last two weekends, but not awful like the first two weeks of the season either. Kind of somewhere in the middle, and, and the back end of the pen will be the strong suit, which is kind of what we expected more or less. So – no, no, like breaking news. If that's true, obviously, if they go back to the first two weeks of the season and this is just a slippery slope, then we're in some bigger trouble than maybe we already are. But uh, that th- this past weekend is kind of what I expected to be one run here or there, maybe okay, come out of the pen, give up a homer. But most games, dare I say, are gonna be reliant on the fact that this offense has just not been good this season. Okay, and that's a fine transition there. 
We can get into the offense. Uh, I do want to talk about Erod at some point later, but we can talk about that at the end of the show when we have time. Um, yeah, this offense, I guess we can start with roster moves because there was some changes made. Kerry Carpenter goes to the 10-day IL because we can't have anything nice, so the only person that can barrel up a baseball is now hurt. Uh, we'll see, kind of keep status on him. They didn't make it sound like it was going to be like a super long-term thing, so we'll see. Hopefully, it's just the 10 days and then he's back. Uh, but Andy Abanez is recalled from Toledo. Another guy that had a 1,000 OPS or higher in Toledo was called up and has then done pretty much nothing at the plate. Tyler Nevin is also optioned to Toledo, and Zach Short replaces him, and then Matt Manning is moved to the 60-day IL. So uh, those are all of your roster moves from over the weekend. Andy Abanez did not really do anything uh, at the plate. Oh, for what, seven, eight? A lot of Ks in there. Not a very effective first series for him at the major league level. Like I said, man, like it, it's just, I understand. This is so frustrating to me. I'm, I'm about to get really upset. It's mind-boggling to me how we can have, and I understand it's not a huge sample size, but we have just so many dudes that destroy AAA pitching, and then the second they put on a Tigers uniform, all of it goes out the window, and they're terrible. So many. Like, nearly everybody on this roster currently, actually, kind of falls into that category. It's, it's mind-boggling. And I understand, oh, the difference between the AAA and the majors. Like, don't undersell it. I know. Like, that, that is a massive step. But a, a, a rectangle is a square, but a square isn't a rectangle. Okay? Like, yes, you're right. But guess what? The dudes that do hit well in the majors, a lot of them crushed AAA pitching. How do we have none? How, how, how do we just have all the guys... That are that are too good for AAA, but not good enough for the majors. How are those all Detroit Tigers? And nobody fits the bill of, oh yeah, he's just like a really good hitter, like through and through, no matter what level you put him at. How is that possible year after year after year? And I, and I'm not coming on here and saying like Riley Green's never going to figure it out. And I'm not coming on here and saying I know a lot of people are really mad at Torkelson. I'm still not like this early in his career, just saying like, oh, he's never going to amount to anything. Didn't have very good at-bats this weekend, though, let me tell you. Really rough re weekend for Torque, uh, but that's a different conversation, I guess. It's just, it's insane to me. Like Tyler Nevin had like an 1,100 OPS, comes to the majors, goes like two for 30. Zach Short, yes, had a great day in game one of the doubleheader on Saturday. Guess what? His batting average in Toledo was 194. Like, I, I, Jonathan Davis is, is, well, Brendan Davis and Jonathan Davis, both like hitting pretty well, but, uh, like it, it's just, it's mind boggling to me how, and then Andy Abanez, a thousand OPS, how we just, anybody who does super well in AAA and we're like, Hey, like they met to last year. Remember when Cody Clemens had like a 900 OPS in Toledo the first two months of the season. Everybody was like, please call him up. This offense is terrible. Cody Clemens gets called up, has like a 500 OPS or whatever the rest of the year. That's probably a slight exaggeration, but it wasn't very good. 
I just, I, I don't know how everyone falls under that umbrella for the Detroit Tigers. And I am so ridiculously tired of it. My goodness. All right. Well, let's keep talking about this weekend because I kind of got off on a tangent there, but still, I feel like was <laughs> under the umbrella of things that went wrong over the weekend. Uh, let's do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can make sure every part fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage and look for the green check to make sure that the part will fit or your money back. Because just like sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusion supply. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. So talking about this weekend, yeah, I mean, you struck out so much. Well, they had a graphic at the end. What was it like 48 strikeouts in a four-game series? It was something like asinine, like just jaw-dropping. Uh, and yeah, like it it felt like it. It felt like it. I, you know, I tweeted a gra- uh, stat last week, I guess. Now that the Tigers were surprisingly like around the back part of the top 10 in hard hit percentage, they were like 11th, I think, when I tweeted it, in all of baseball. The problem is they strike out a boatload. They're one of the top five teams in strikeout rate and one of the top three or four in team ground ball rate. So it's great that they're hitting the ball hard, but it's consistently on the ground. And when you're not putting the ball in play, I guess that counts to the K rate. You're not really hurting your hard hit rate. So uh, that's just a really the, the reality of this offense so far this season. Um, we already talked about Torkelson. Riley Green on Saturday did have multiple lifted balls to the pull side of the field. And on Sunday, he grounded out and, and rolled the ball over to second base again. But he, he actually did have a hard hit line drive to the pull side of the field, which was great to see. It is possible. That's like three in the last three or four games. We'll gladly take it. Hopefully it's a sign of things to come. Okay. Uh, but not a very productive weekend for him at the plate either, to be honest, really not for anybody outside of Zach McKinstry, who uh, until Sunday's game was having a really good weekend. Zach short obviously was really good as well. Three for five with a homer in game one. Uh, and then, yeah, earned himself a roster spot. Just, like, didn't go back down. Despite Tyler Nevin hitting a three-run homer on Saturday, then immediately gets told to, to pack his bags and head back to Toledo. It's a rough business, baseball is, but uh, but that's the way it goes sometimes. Um, so, yeah, like, Zach Short, I, I mean, if you're expecting me to come on here and be like, Zach Short is, like, they <laughs> – Zach Short has taken huge strides and like he's a different hitter now and he's not going to be the same guy he's been for the last three years. You've come to the wrong place because he is. Um, but like again, like his average in Toledo was 194, but his OPS was in like the mid 700s because he walks a lot and he runs into homers. But 
He's not going to go three for five with a homer uh, very often, but we'll continue to ride it as long as we can. And then, yeah, like I said, Zach McKinstry had a pretty solid weekend. Um, hitting the ball really hard. I, I like him in the leadoff spot for the time being. I mean, who else? Like, I, I, don't, I don't know who else you really want to put up there. I want my leadoff hitter and my number two hitter to be two of the best hitters on the team so that they get the most at-bats. And unfortunately, the reality of the situation is Zach McKinstry, for the last two weeks, has been one of the better hitters on your baseball team. So I'm, I'm perfectly okay with him batting leadoff for the foreseeable future, to be honest with you. Um, Javi's history comes to an end, but uh, had, I don't know, a couple of like nice hits. He, he had a clutch hit on Sunday's game, but uh, also went over and still had a lot of strikeouts as Javi does. Uh, like I said, Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson, not a very effective weekend. Uh, Jake Rogers ran into one, which was good. First home run in a while for him. He is uh, one of the only players on this baseball team that can say they are an above league average hitter so far this season, which is nice that we have at least one or two. <laughs> oh, the bar is on the floor. The bar is on the floor for this team, man. Just begging for some league average hitters. <laughs> Not asking for any of these dudes, literally none of them this season, to be like six, seven win players, like five win players, four win players. If we could just have some some solid league average offense with maybe some plus defense, that would be awesome. But that is asking the world of this team. Uh, runners in scoring position had a couple of moments where you maybe thought they had seen the light, but at the end of the day, still a lot of same old, same old, especially at the end of ball games. Anything else to really say about the offense? I don't think so. Not a whole lot changed. Eduardo Rodriguez did pitch on Saturday, though. He was really good yet again. Not the most efficient outing only went five and two thirds. Um, but was still really, really good. Uh, had one walk and one run. It was the first walk he had issued in like three outings and one of the only runs he's given up in the last three outings as well. So really, really effective uh, outing for him. He's been great. And, and you know, the, the broader conversation turns into assuming the Tigers are out of it at the trade deadline, which I don't think this is a surprise to anyone. They will be. What do you do with Erod? Uh, you trade him. You trade them. And it's really frustrating that every single good performance we have had for the first half of the last, what, four years, we've just looked in the mirror and been like, well, time to trade him. But, like, that's where we are still, unfortunately. And with the opt-out, it makes it pretty hard to argue against. The, the only justification I can think of is, again, if – he walks into Scott Harris's office, sits down, looks him in the eye, shakes his hand, and goes, I promise you I'm not opting out. But I don't know why he would do that because he's pitching really well. Even if he wasn't pitching as well as he is and he was just like around a league average pitcher, he would still probably opt out just given the value that we got him for initially pre-opt-out. Um, and yeah, I, it, it just it makes sense for both sides. Makes sense for him to opt out. It makes sense for us to trade him. So, yeah. <laughs> he was great, though. He was great, though. 
This team will just drain the heck out of you. Just absolutely drain the energy and excitement right out of you. I'm recording this right after Sunday's game. I'm sure I'm a, a little more down than usual, but that was a special kind of dreadful brand of baseball on Sunday. That Like infuriating. I was upset pretty much for like seven and a half, eight innings. Just not a good product, not a competitive product, no competitive at-bats outside of the one inning which they scored all the runs in. Not great. Not great. Um, I think that's pretty much everything. Uh, we talked about the bullpen, talked about the offense. I, I don't even know what else different to say about the offense. Again, tomorrow we'll we'll go a little bit more in depth. We'll have our one-month checkpoint. We can talk about the offense as a whole so far this season. But for this weekend, it, it's a lot of same story, different day type of stuff. And the pitching, starting pitching is... I guess has been what it's been. Uh, Matt Boyd, I guess I didn't really talk about him. I, I actually didn't think he was terrible. A lot of singles early and then the home run late. But I don't think that the box score is an accurate representation of the outing. But he certainly wasn't like stellar either. And you gave yourself a chance to come back in that game too. Like all of these are close games. That's the frustrating part. This isn't. This isn't the same extent as last year in the sense of if the other team scored two runs, it was over. Like that was last year. That was one of the worst offenses I've ever seen in my life. It doesn't actually doesn't matter how old you are. That's one of the worst offenses you've ever seen in your life. Statistically, one of the worst offenses in the history of the game of baseball. This year so far, while the offense isn't good and is still the worst in baseball, they're playing in a lot of close games. And... They'll bring you back into it. You'll go, okay, well, this game's over. Oh, here's a late home run to make it a one-run game. Here's a late home run to make it a two-run game. Here's some random clutch hitting for the first time in a week to make it a one-run game. And the bullpen will keep them in it. But then they fizzle out and die at the end. And it's just, it's, that that's what has made this such a frustrating <laughs> The Orioles especially. Get the Orioles out of town. I don't want to play the Orioles ever again. I'm so tired of playing Baltimore. What's the Castellani stat? Like they're 8-2 they're and two against non-AL East teams and have lost like all but two or three two AL East teams. Get the Orioles out of town. So we'll see. But it's, it's just there's a lot of close games where like if they just have one or two more hits here or there on a game-to-game -game basis – I'm not even asking or, or saying that this team would have to have, you know, like at the middle of their lineup, they would have to have somebody with like a 900 OPS if they wanted to turn things around. They could have pretty much the same terrible numbers, but they're a couple of hits every game away from legitimately winning against good teams and just can't get over that hump. Zero clutch ability for this team. From, what did we say? Like, innings six through eight, five through eight. Just none. All right. That's all I got. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. You guys know the drill. Thank you for making us your first listen every day. Like I said earlier, tomorrow's show, we will be talking about our one month into the season checkpoint. Talk about where we stand, individual performances that stand out, and uh, what the Tigers need to do 
the remainder of the season to uh, try and limit a slide here, which, believe it or not, is going to have to do with scoring more runs. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I appreciate all of y'all greatly. We'll be back tomorrow. Go Tigers.